So thank you guys for that, for allowing that to happen. And these offerings are keeping that going. There are a lot of needs. We've had some people step up anonymously in ways that you really couldn't even imagine. We just got out of a Kingdom Builders campaign where I think we're about 150 to, to our goal of 175000 to to start a new building project in Peru with our three churches there, and then finish our youth room here at the North Campus. And so God is just doing all sorts of stuff. We have another service going right now downtown. Um, there's six locations total. And uh, I just, I just want to praise reports. I think we're a little bit behind, but for the most part, we're almost there. In fact, tonight could bring us there. Uh, we're at our budget goal. I believe we're just about one offering behind, depending on how this goes. And so uh, I say all of that to say that we have three places you can give until tonight. Now we have two. Uh, my oldest son was helping drive a church van passenger with one of the youth leaders and just straight up ran over one of the offering buckets uh, in the parking lot. And so it was like manna from heaven just flowing <laughs> for all who needed an extra help this Christmas Eve. And so uh, uh, Johnson men, we're a bit slow, but we do love Jesus. And so um, there's now two options and online, so make sure you utilize those. Uh, as we get going, I, I just want to say Merry Christmas, like Greg said. Uh, it is good, good, good to see you guys. I'm a bit offended. I sang Sunday because Greg was in Texas, and there was way less people here. And so uh, I won't read into that. I'm just going to start preaching. Uh, if, you, if you have your Bibles, you can open them to Luke chapter 2. We're going to just go through this Christmas story that Miles and Steph, part of our online community in this season, went through. Um, but I had this idea about Christmas, and maybe it's not true for you, but it's definitely true for me. How many of you would maybe concede that it doesn't quite feel like Christmas? Is that anyone else? For me, it doesn't. And I know you could break that down very simply into the weather has been amazing. Um, in fact, before yesterday, it doesn't look like we were going to have anything of a white Christmas until yesterday. And at least we have a semi-brown, semi-white Christmas uh, and so maybe it's that. I think uh, most of it is this reality that we live in this crazy time where it's dangerous and it's scary, and it kind of just sucked the life out of us as a country, as a world. It was this reality that no one saw coming. I actually was interviewed this week by some students at Central High School, and it went to their study halls, this invite to the Christmas Eve parking lot service. And I just, I just had this statement to this sophomore kid. I said, man, if a pastor was telling you they were planning for COVID before COVID, they're an ultimate liar or the greatest prophet ever because nobody saw this coming. And it's literally, we've seen it kind of just shift culture around us, haven't we? In this moment where no one knows what to expect, all of a sudden, even the commercials look a little different. Have you noticed that? Like I haven't seen, and maybe I just don't watch enough TV, but I haven't seen that Lexus commercial where... Uh, your wildest dreams come true, and your perfect wife with her brilliantly white teeth smiles as there's a bow on the Lexus. Am I wrong? Has that been out? Like, I haven't seen that. In fact, it's just kind of a somber feel to everything going on right now in culture, and Christmas doesn't fi quite feel like Christmas. Like, one of our family traditions when we go to Fargo on Christmas Day is that night we go to a movie theater. Not happening this year. Things just feel a little bit different. Anyone Black Friday shop? Not me this year, and that was the best part about Christmas. Like some of these traditions just need to stay in cyberspace because that was actually a really good thing. But in the midst of all of that, here's just what I want to share with you with the Christmas story tonight. There is this golden opportunity. There is this golden opportunity to really examine the entire point of the Christmas season what Jesus actually came to do, 
and where, where all of this is going when we look at the Bible. In fact, uh, what do we love about the Bible is we've been looking the last few weeks at some of the stuff in the Old Testament that Jesus, before Jesus was ever coming to earth, he actually already had a plan. And the Bible says this. We've been talking about this verse for a few weeks now. 700 years before Christ, in Micah 5.2, it says, But you, O Bethlehem, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth from me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from old, from ancient of days. Before Christ ever steps on the scene, it's already predestined that he's going to be here. In fact, one of the ways we know the Bible is true is that it's not just a couple of weeks of prophecy leading to his birth. It's just hundreds, and even, in even one instance, over a thousand years, God is screaming to his people, the Messiah is coming, the Messiah is coming, the Messiah is coming. And as we step onto the scene today, the Messiah has come, and here's how the story lays out. I'm going to read it again, what Miles and Steph just talked about. It says, in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria and all who went to be registered, each in his own town. And so by God's providential hand, he's sending Joseph, the stepdad of Jesus, and Mary as a virgin. He's sending them to Bethlehem and he's giving them this out where the Roman government is oppressing them over them. And because they want more and more power and they've taken over the conquered known world, everyone has to now go back to their hometown. This was part of their tradition. You had to enlist. So they knew when they could count on you for military might or paying taxes, most importantly. And so now Joseph, who's from Bethlehem, the town of David, where God said the Messiah would be born, is going back. And it's this reality that God is using this to fulfill his purposes and these prophecies hundreds of years ago before Christ ever came. And then the Bible says this, and pay careful attention if you're a mother. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. Here's why this is so fascinating. We talked about this Sunday. How old was Mary? Mary's about 12 to 13 years old if she fits into the narrative of every other girl getting married 2,000 years ago. Any 12 to 13-year-olds in church? How many of you are ready to be married? My daughter's 11. You'd have to murder me. It's not happening, right? Mary's 12 or 13 years old. Joseph's probably a little older. Joseph's probably of the ripe age of 15 or 16. He has all the wisdom in this situation because we know boys that are 15 to 16. I mean, their, their wisdom, wisdometer is just, is that a word? That sounds weird, actually. Their wisdom is just through the roof. And it's this story that's so messy. It's this story where the least likely people in culture's eyes around them, and in fact, now 2,000 years later, at that same age range, you have people that are taking selfies 20 hours a day and hanging out on TikTok. These people are making an 80-mile, 85-mile journey to Bethlehem to have a baby, and it's absolutely profound. And here's what we said Sunday. She wasn't just pregnant. Do you remember this if you were in church or listened online? She wasn't just pregnant. Moms, are you awake? She was nine months pregnant. What's the difference between pregnant and nine months pregnant? Men, just don't say anything, right? You don't need to know. Just know that it's worse. And so 85 miles later, they head to Bethlehem. Her back's hurting. She's retaining water. She probably has heartburn, headaches, aches, pains, etc. And it's like this song is in the back of my mind all week long preparing for Christmas as they're heading to Bethlehem barefoot and literally pregnant 
I would walk 500. This is a crazy scene. Mary is about to have a baby. There's no rest stop. There's just dirt roads. There's no place to get a Coke Zero and a sandwich at Summit. It's an absolute mess. And Jesus enters the mess, and he enters into our mess today. And the story concludes, and while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes. She's literally probably wrapping him up in some type of burrito-looking garment. She wraps the baby savior of the universe in swaddling clothes, lays him in a manger because there was no place for them in the end. In the end. How many of you read this story and you want more details? How many of you know that Luke was a man? A man just kind of, my wife, this, let me give you a little insight. We're gonna, I promise we're going to baptize in just a second. This is what's so funny about the story to me. My wife, I'll go to see babies before COVID, and she'll say, you know, we'll know the couple, and I get to be the one that, I used to bring flowers, then I realized donuts are way better for newborn moms. It's like, that, I'd rather have a donut than a flower. And so I go to see the baby, and, and literally she's like, well, Ann's like, well, what was it like? You know, how much did he weigh? How many, you know, what color were his eyes? And, and, you know, was it a C-section? And I know that's 2,000 years ago. That's not the reality. And I'm going, I don't know. He has like five fingers on each hand, and he cries a lot, and he went to the bathroom when I went to visit. I mean, I don't know anything. And I think that's what Luke's dealing with. He just gives the basic, manliest details, and we don't get any of the details. But check this out, and here's what I want to tell you tonight. We get one detail from the Old Testament that trumps all details, and the detail is this, that Jesus is to be called Emmanuel, God with us. Isaiah 7:14 says, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel, God coming down. All other major world religions, all other philosophies are based on this latter concept where God is up high in heaven, and you have to somehow earn your way to him, and for the last thousands and thousands of years, that has been a broken methodology, and it's still taking place in a good religious Midwestern culture tonight on Christmas Eve. If I can jump through this go-to-Christmas-Eve service hoop, if I can throw some money in the plate for the church, if I can try to be a good dad and a good mom and a good husband and a good wife, then when I go to those pearly gates and I see the old man in the sky, he's going to say, you're a chip off the old block, why don't you come into heaven? And the problem with that reality is the Bible says this. Look at me when I tell you this. The Bible says this. No one is good. That even your good deeds are like filthy rags before the Lord. And God, in his perfection, has to take his only son, Emmanuel, God with us, incarnate deity, flesh coming to earth, and he has to send him to earth an omissional purpose that's so much greater than any struggle that we might have right now in our temporary fear and plight that we're living in. The incarnate deity, carnate actually means carne, it means meat. Like you, you go to a Mexican restaurant and you have carne asada. That's actually the Latin verbiage there. It's Jesus coming down in meat form. And he's doing so not just to stay a baby, but to go to a cross, to live a perfect life. And the question that I want to close with tonight before we do these baptisms is this. The only question that matters, look at me when I tell you this, why? Anyone ever do a seventh grade book report? My seventh grader is doing a book report this year. They have to answer five questions. 
And when it comes to Scripture, only one of them actually truly matters above all else. Do you guys know what they are? Any teachers in this room? Who? What? Slow down. I'm not ready, right? Who? What? When? Where? And why? The only one that truly matters this Christmas Eve, it's all about the why. It's all about the why. The who, what, when, and where doesn't separate us one bit. Even the demons, we're going through the book of Mark right now in church. Even the demons can answer those four. In fact, they even know the why, but they're screeching at the reality is that they don't want it to come to fruition when Jesus is on earth. They know who Jesus is. They know how he came to earth. They know where he was, and they know when it was going to happen. Once they saw him on earth, they started getting the connect the dots moment, even though they wanted nothing to do with the things of God, and they hate God, and they hate us. It's all about the why. And the beauty of the gospel this Christmas Eve is that Jesus Christ unequivocally, unequivocally answers the why. In fact, he says, through the story of Joseph's revelation in Matthew 1, 20, but as he considered these things, this is Joseph and an angel, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear. Take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit, and she will bear a son, and here's the why, and you shall call his name Jesus, that translates Joshua, Yeshua. He is the powerful Messiah you've been waiting for, the great conqueror. For this Joshua, he will save his people from their sins. Jesus did a lot of things on earth, and they're going to close with just this one idea. Listen to this idea. It's the most important thing that you will ever hear in your entire life. There's one idea that stands out above every idea, and it starts with the question why, and Jesus answers it before he ever is even born. That Jesus is coming to this earth, incarnate deity, flesh among us, perfection among us, and he's coming to save us, not from a temporary fearful condition. He is coming to save us from the biggest problem we'll ever face. It's this problem of our own hearts. It's this problem of sin that separates us from a holy God. If we don't get the why right, we will mess up everything else about the gospel. The Christmas story, in all of its messiness, and all of its appearing dysfunctions, is absolute perfection. Because the Bible answers the question that's been plaguing us since the beginning of the time that Adam and Eve took a bite of an apple. And it's the question of why Jesus comes to earth and he lives a perfect, blameless life. And he gets on a cross and he dies in our place. And then he rises from death three days later so that he can save us from our sins. The Bible says this. The Bible says that our sin separates us from a holy God. That even in our best felt attempts to somehow earn our way to that holiness, we fall way short of that glory. That we don't even come close, and that there's a penalty of sin, and the wage of sin is death. The wage of sin is eternal separation from God. The Bible says that the wage of sin is eternity apart from him in this place called hell. 
And it sounds so unfair in a postmodern world, but look at it through the justice and perfection of God himself, who has literally provided a means of salvation for his church by sending in his love his only son to punish his son as a just judge instead of all of us who are saved from our sins through Jesus. The why is this? Christ came, and he wasn't just a good person. He wasn't just a moralist. He wasn't just someone that was fair and loving and you know hugged babies and was a little gentle lamb. He was someone who provided something that is the biggest plague that we've ever faced, the biggest crisis that we'll ever go through. He provides the vaccination for this thing called sin that even though COVID is bad, sin is infinitely worse. And he provides it through his own son, Jesus, and it starts in a manger. And my question is this, are you serving this Savior this Christmas? You guys are about to see a very special video, something that's close to all of our hearts as pastors. Jake and Bailey have given their life to the Lord, and they started coming to new life, and they've been completely sold out. And I remember Jake's conversation with me. He said this, and something you'll find very interesting about New Life if you're just visiting or listening online is we tend to baptize more adults than children and teenagers even. People that are going through recovery groups or people that are you know, hearing the gospel as adult, even though statistically most adults aren't getting saved, it's kids. People that are giving their life to Christ and it's been radically changed by him. And you're going to see that by a couple tonight that love Jesus with all their heart. And he said to me this, he said, Rodney, I went through religious motions my entire life. And then I started going to new life. No plug to this church. We're just a bunch of sinners. He said, I started going to new life and I heard the gospel and I thought, man, I have never heard that before, even though I have literally been going to church my whole life. That Jesus came to to save sinners and I'm the chief of sinners and I need to ask him to forgive my sins, to come into my life I need his precious blood to forgive me, and I need the why answered as to why he came to earth. And so you guys are going to see that celebration of his salvation and Bailey's salvation in just a second. But I just want to ask you, as I have your attention this Christmas Eve, are you serving this Jesus? Have you laid down your life, picked up your cross, and said, Jesus, I want to follow you? Let's pray. Jesus, if there's anyone in this space or online right now, that has never given their life to you. They've been trying to earn their way to heaven like a good religious person in a good Midwestern culture. I pray right now that you would convict them of their sin, that they would understand, God, that you are holy and just and that you want no part of sin. In fact, you hate sin, but you love sinners. And this Christmas, they would celebrate this gift of salvation by saying, Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me of my sin. Make me a new creation in you. I believe that you went to a cross in my place. I believe that you rose from death so that I could have life. And I want you to be my Savior this Christmas. Lord, I pray that you would usher salvation into this space. And I pray this in your precious and holy name. And everybody said,